Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of My Dad Used to Drive a Big Truck. This is a podcast for people who have lost a member of their family, be it a loved one, a parent, a friend. My experience started around about just over two years ago, and it ended with the death of my father. Now, I'll go into more details in uh, more episodes in the future, but for now, this is just an introduction, a welcome, let you know who I am, where we're going to go, and how people can get involved. So first of all, if you're listening to this, thank you very much. You're very welcome, and I'm glad you're listening. If you've seen our descriptions, our... Um, title and it means something or resonates with you then great please listen on um this is just my thoughts my feelings my experiences and what losing a parent does to you in a physical mental emotional um way and how that affects your work life, home life, um, relationships, anything you can think of really, it's got a lot of repercussions that you probably don't think about, mainly because no one readies you for the death of anyone really, by that I mean Yes, you can have somebody that's dying of a of a disease, of an illness, old age, and and yes, you in your mind, in your head, you're preparing for that. But when it actually happens, it's a shock to the system that I don't think I can relate to anything else that's ever happened in my life. A little bit of background about me. My name's Carl. I'm 46 years old, um, and I lost my dad just over two years ago. Um, I'll probably go a little bit more in in more detail about how uh, later on, or maybe on another another episode. But it was really just to to introduce you to what I feel is. A minefield really it really it really is a minefield it really is a um a learning curve for you and your family and people around you um from my point of view i'm not a big tour or I, I don't sit down around a table and and pour out all my emotions um so I think this for me is quite therapeutic. It's quite I'm, I'm actually speaking out loud, and there may be some of you out there that are listening to this now, which is fantastic. And hopefully we can make a make a thing of this. Hopefully people listen, even if you don't listen, or, or not many people listen. It's good for me to do on a weekly basis, sit down, talk into this microphone, 
something I've never ever done before and just get it out there get my feelings out there and hopefully it's going to help me and more importantly it might help somebody out there who's going through something similar um, so one of the things when starting anything be it a business a book a song um, a script and indeed a podcast is you need to find a name for it and in the past I've started up a few businesses just just I say a few I've started up a couple of businesses and I've always had an idea of what I wanted to do similar to this podcast I've always had an idea of what I wanted to talk about where I wanted to go with it the subject matter um, same with the businesses um, what the business was about what it might be creating selling providing um, but the one thing is how'd you come up with a name how'd you come up with a name that has not been used before has got some relevance to what you're talking about um, is different I suppose not 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 saying it's the same but just something that's different to any other name of a business song anything you you can think of so why my dad used to drive a big truck well that's exactly what he did and this podcast is literally all about him um, and him not being here anymore and how we got there over the last 46 years of my life and 66 years of his life um, he was a long distance lorry driver he was a HGV driver since I can remember since I have any thoughts in my head about my dad and him working it's always been with a with a big lorry a big truck he's worked for several different companies that are involved in um transportation I suppose um but he's he's done he's he's done quite a lot of interesting things really but 95% of them all revolve around him driving a big truck so it was just fitting that even up until the day he went into hospital he was driving a big truck so from my first memory to my last memory of of him in a working environment it was always with a big truck so i think it works hopefully you think it works it it's different it's not how you know i could have put a title up on how to deal with losing your dad how to deal with grief and sorrow when you lose a loved one there's plenty of podcasts out there about that and there's plenty of podcasts out there that talk about this subject matter and sometimes you when you when you listen to them you sort of wonder have they actually lost anyone in the past or are they are they doing this for attention money um they think they're doing the right thing that believe me there are some people out there that definitely you can tell when you listen to them their stories what they say um 
you you can tell that they've lost someone but then there, there are some people out there that you let's just say i i doubt they're genuine let's just leave it at that um so yes my dad used to drive a big truck and this is our podcast he was driving a truck on the day that he went into hospital as i as i've already mentioned before and he never came out of hospital um again i'll go into a bit more detail about that but so he died suddenly but over a period of weeks stroke months i'm trying to work out exactly how many weeks it was and i I will come back to that because it's not it's not fair me just guessing because things like that um that they go into a bit of a blur i i know the date um could because it was mother's day what a terrible awful day for anyone to die that you know on mother's day when i've got my missus was there obviously she's a she's a mum my mum was there she's obviously a mum my sister was there she was a mum so what was supposed to be a nice day for all the mummies out there for our family it was the worst day of our lives by an absolute stretch there's nothing else that's happened in our lives that comes close not in my life anyway the first person in my immediate family that I've lost I I have lost an uncle but he was a very distant uncle you know he was my dad's brother but when I say distant I hadn't seen him for years and years and years when he died so we weren't close um same with my granddad I used to see my granddad a lot when we were kids um and then he just I, n- I never really understood why but we never really spoke to him for probably I want to say about twenty years, which is which is weird, and I, I still to this day don't know why, um, which is not nice. But I knew my granddad died, but again, he it was like a I was sad for my granddad, but it was a distant person in my memories, so it didn't affect me that much. I hope that makes sense. I'm not trying to come across as cold, but when you've got somebody very close to you and they die, your whole world just falls apart. Everything doesn't, nothing makes sense anymore. Everything is upside down. When you lose somebody in that you know but isn't that close, you feel sad, you feel sorry for their loved ones, you are upset and you 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 have a a level of grief but it isn't the same it just isn't the same um i've also lost a couple of people um who i've worked with before um two people spring to mind straight away who um died from cancer again gutted because a they were both 
fairly young people. One of them was was young. The other one was a little bit older, but still at an age where they had a lot of life left in them. Um, again, shocked. Um, upset. Immensely sorry for their family. But not the same. Just, just not the same. There is... I know this is a podcast and you're listening to me talk and you're listening to me voice my thoughts and opinions. But sometimes I may go quiet because I'm at a loss for words on how to describe what goes on when you lose somebody very, very close to you, i.e. a parent, a partner or a child. Maybe a grandparent. I think, other than that, they are they are people in your lives that you have affection for. They are people in your lives that you will miss. They are people in your lives that you probably can't work out why or how it's happened. But that parent, partner or child, grandparent, is a whole nother level of what the hell is going on. Um, I can imagine if you've lost somebody that close to you immediately, i.e. an accident, um, suicide, or maybe they've been killed by somebody or something um, where that happens immediately and you've got no pre-warning for it must be again on a, on a, on a whole other level and thankfully that didn't happen to my dad I say thankfully sometimes if somebody's going to die and they may suffer or they may go through pain or they may um it may affect them mentally then maybe going immediately going straight away isn't a bad thing but having a bit of time to um i say having a bit of time to adjust is it's, it's weird because when when dad was in hospital and we visited him almost that my mum was there every day I, I live about 45 minutes to an hour's drive away so with work commitments family commitments I try to get there every day every other day as much as I could um weekends we were there um evenings after work I would try and drive down there um but we had some time with him um but i've got to be got to be honest with you until probably the last couple of days i'm not sure i contemplated him dying maybe there was a thought in my head because he was in intensive care and the doctors or the nurses warned us 
not many people walk out of intensive care. So that was a bit of a, and, and I think they told us that quite early on as well. So that was quite a punch in the stomach, I suppose, because you sort of think, uh, you know, my, my dad's indestructible. That's not going to happen. Um, and they give you a very stark warning. So when he was moved from um, a normal ward to intensive care, you know it's been ramped up another level. Obviously, you know that there is there's some problems. Obviously, there's some problems and you need to be concerned. You need to be worried. You need to be there to support him and your other family members but you never think about them dying you never think about them not being there anymore you don't let it cross your mind because why would you why would you if you give up then you're saying it's fine for them to give up and and that's a not how I'm built and and definitely not how my dad's built so we had time with him but the the end was a shock and also quite um, immediate, if that makes sense. So, again, that might be why it's had a big effect because, like I say, although it wasn't a, an accident, a murder, a, a, you know, a killing, a... Um, um, a suicide, anything like that, where they're there, then they're gone, um, and you don't know much about it. Um, it was still immediate enough for it to be, be a, a shock and a body blow to all of us. So, yeah, it's so that was the point of putting together a podcast because I could sit down with people family members partner even friends maybe I could seek professional help um but that's sounding like I need help and I don't think I do need help what I need to do is to talk out loud about it um I don't need somebody putting their arm around me and telling me everything's going to be all right I don't need somebody telling me chin up or anything like that this is uh i've had to live with the thoughts and the feelings and the the head space i've been in for the last two years and, and i'm still there um and i'm sure other people in my family are as well um but this sounded to me or, or in my head was was the way I wanted to deal with it. Sit here, talk to a microphone, hopefully get it out there for people to listen to and see what happens from there. If people enjoy this, if they if they relate to it and in the future if anybody else wants to get involved and that is my therapy that I sit and talk to other people with the same experiences then that would be interesting I'm not sure how I feel about it at the moment but it's just a thought that's going through my head and 
and obviously a thought that would always go through your head when you're thinking about what might happen if you do go down the path of of this kind of um what's the word i'm looking for this medium of getting your thoughts out of your head and through your mouth um sound really weird to say all that um because you know you could go to grief counseling and they can sit there and, and talk to you and things like that but i'm a i think me personally and i'm not sure how my mum would feel how my brother and sister would feel about it but me personally i'm i'm a sort of a, a doing kind of person i like to get out and just get on with stuff i did something during the early days to to hmm, not to block out so much my thoughts and my feelings but more to occupy my brain in the quiet times if anyone's been through this before they'll understand that when people are talking to you when you're communicating with your family if you're at work if you're with your friends then that's good that's fine you're, you're occupying your brain you're occupying your mind things are easy you don't think about your loved ones so much it doesn't it's not always on the top of your top of your head although they're always there in your thoughts when you're busy and you're doing other things then your mind will sort of not go to that place when you have your downtime when you have your quiet time when you're alone when you're trying to get to sleep when you're maybe commuting uh, exercising or just going for a walk something like that then all hell breaks loose it's the only way I can describe it. You remember everything you've seen, everything you thought, what may be to come, what's there in the future, what's there after this is all done. That sounds dark, but it is. It really is. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no building it up to be something it isn't. You go to some seriously dark places. And this is why I've I've done something else in the past that I don't really need to talk about now. Uh, maybe it'll come out in the, in the future, but it's not really for this pod, podcast at the moment. But I did something for me and... It helped me in my in my dark times. Now, it wasn't drink, it wasn't drugs, it wasn't anything like that. So before anyone thinks, oh, are we going to hear some juicy details? It's nothing like that. It's just something that I don't want to get um, twisted in this in this podcast because it's it's probably for another time. But my personal therapy was that. 
then I've got busy at work and that's had to take a back step because as the old saying goes, life still goes on. So I've still got to go on with the everyday life of me and my family. As I say, this is the first episode. I've called it the introduction simply because it is an introduction. So let me tell you a little bit about me and my family because that's where this all starts, where this all comes from. So my dad's name was Peter. Um, he was also known as Ted. I think 95% of the people, um, or maybe not 90%, 95%, I don't know, would call him Ted. Um, it's a nickname he got from, from years ago. Um, not many people called him Peter. I, I'm trying to remember as far back as my, my mind would let me go. Did I ever hear my mum call him Peter? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I've only ever heard him called Ted. All my aunties and uncles would call him Ted. Um, yeah. My nan would call him Ted. I think all my mates learnt to call him Ted. Yeah, Ted. So for the for the sake of this podcast, I will refer to him as Dad or Ted. I think that's easier. Um but his name's Peter, just so just so we get that out there. Um so there's me, Carl, um, my mum, her name's Margaret, everyone calls her Betty. What is it about that generation where no one calls them, or is it just my mum and dad? I'm just tr quickly trying to scan through. So, give you a little bit more meat on the bones. My mum is from quite a large family. She's got eight brothers and sisters. Um, so yeah, my nan and granddad were were, were definitely busy back in the day. Um, this was before, probably it was definitely before colour TV. Maybe it was before TV. But they were definitely definitely busy back in the day. Fair play to them. Um, but yeah, they've got nine kids. So as you can imagine, our family events are large and busy. Um, but I'm just trying to... The reason I bring that up is because, because there are so many um, brothers and sisters for my for my mum, I'm trying to work out... Do we call any of them by anything other than their real name? And if I'm honest with you, no, I don't think we do. I think they're all called by their real name. So my mum and dad are weird. Or the people they know and love are weird because they all call them by something completely different. So my mum's name was Margaret Betty. That was a middle name, but everyone refers to her as Betty or Bet. I oh, know. So Peter and Margaret, Ted and Bet. That's how everyone knew them as. Uh, I'm confusing myself already and this is only episode one. What is going on? So Ted and Bet had three kids. Myself, Carl, I'm the oldest, brother Alan next, and then my sister Claire. 
we've all we've all got our own kids. So our own little family group is fairly large. Um, I've got four of my own kids. Uh, Alan's got two of his own kids plus a, a stepdaughter, and then Claire's just got the one boy. So fairly fairly decent size. Um, we always were a fairly close family as as we were growing up. Um, later years, that's been strained a little bit. Again, I can come back to stuff like that later on, but for now, this is just uh, the the basics. So there were the five of us, as I say, growing up. We we come from a, a council estate in West London, um, quite near to Heathrow Airport, and one of the passions of our family, and, and especially mine and my dad's, probably more than my brother and my sister and my mum, is football. Um, wasn't always as I was younger, but I've grown into it and grown into it and grown into it, and now it's sort of my number one passion of a after family. Um, I play football, I watch football, um, I've coached football, and all three of my sons play football. I've got three sons and a daughter, by the way. Um, so, by rights, where we lived, um, we should be Chelsea fans. Most of my family are Chelsea fans, because, again, they're all from the same sort of area of West London. Um, we actually lived, I would say, not quite a stone's throw, but a very small car journey, as in less than five minutes drive away from Chelsea's old training ground in Harlington, um, West London. So I've been and watched Chelsea train back in the day, back in the days of Kerry Dixon and Dennis Wise, people like that. I, I've watched them train as a kid. Um, these were back in the days where you could just roll up to a, to the training ground and stand there and watch people train. Um, nowadays, you don't get anywhere near the training grounds. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're not Chelsea fans. I'm waiting for the boos and the hisses, but we're Manchester United fans. Now, why are a family from West London, who lives so close to Chelsea, whose family and friends are all Chelsea fans, why the hell are we Manchester United fans? Um, you can blame my dad for that. He, I'm not quite sure if he was a glory hunter. Maybe he was. Maybe it was back in the Georgie Best and uh, Bobby Charlton days. But when I knew football, grew up with football, watched football, went to my first football match, it was all Manchester United, never Chelsea. Um, I think one of my first games I went to was a Chelsea-Manchester United game, actually. Um, and because of our geographical location and the lack of internet back in those days, um, we had to get tickets for the Chelsea end. That was an experience. 
definitely experience, especially when you're trying to tell your old man not to cheer if United score, which we did. And he did half cheer, which was um, interesting. Nothing happened, though. We didn't get any uh, problems or, or, or a slap or anything like that. But, yeah, so I have passed on this tradition through the years. Um, my kids are all Manchester United fans, whether they like it or not. I don't think it's easy to support a team and have other members of your family supporting another team. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're a family of Manchester United fans, um, which, is, which is really quite... I suppose poignant is one of the words I would use, that the day my dad went into hospital, I had booked tickets for his birthday that was coming up for us to go and watch the 20-year anniversary of Manchester United being beaten Bayern Munich in the famous uh, Champions League final in the new camp where Teddy Sheringham and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scored two goals in the last throws of the game um so timing was weird timing was nice i suppose but it was the 20 year anniversary and then it was a, a friendly game at old trafford between the two teams united and bayern and some if not all of the players that were on show um, had been involved in that season. Um, not all, not all the, not all the players from the final were there though, which was a bit of a shame. Um, Ryan Giggs wasn't there, and I think that might have had something to do with his ongoing court case. Um, but it was, uh, it was me, me, me and my dad hadn't been to football for a little while due to family work commitments. My work had, had taken off, and he was always busy with his work um but it we we, we did say we were going to make a, an effort to get to more games um because me and my son my eldest son try and get up there but dad's never been available due to work so we've we've sort of gone up to a few games over the last couple of years five years maybe um we try and get up to as many games as we can with work and life commitments um but he hasn't been for a while so i said to him right that's it Let's get this book. So he was actually lying in his hospital bed or sitting in his hospital bed as I booked the tickets for that. And I said, there you go. When you come out a couple of weeks later, we'll, we'll go off to that game. And what a, what an amazing experience that would be to see people like Ollie, Bex, Neville, Skulls, all, all putting the United shirt on again. Unfortunately... He never got out to see that game, um, which is one of my biggest heartbreaks. Really, it would have been it would have been so good to get back up there with him after after a few years of not not being up there together. Um, it would have been really nice to go and watch that game together, especially like it would have been sort of a celebration of not only his birthday but him coming out of hospital. Um, but as we all know, part of this podcast, the whole point of this podcast, meant that he never got out to come and to come and watch that game. 
Um, so that's our background. Um, we, we, one of the things my my mum and dad did, even though we we lived on a council estate, which I think back then, I was born in 75, I think back then for young families, um, unless you came from money, I think a lot of the people, or, or a lot of people, did live on council estates, especially where, where I, I lived, where I was from. There weren't much else but council estates. So, um, but do you know what? When I hear the word council estate now and look at council estates now, it, it baffles me really because it's a it's a dirty word. It's uh, frowned upon. It's looked down on. Um, oh, you come from a council estate and, you know, it's got that stigma and reputation to it and and in a way quite rightly so when you look at some of the council states now because they just they're, they're not like what they used to be I don't think back in our day and I know this is a oh in my day kind of scenario but you knew everyone on your estate you left your door open people used to just come into your house they didn't rob anything they were knock on your door and borrow some sugar or borrow some tea bags and you'd do the same if you ever had that they'd want 50p for the meter when you used to have to put 50p in the electric meter before a lot of houses had electricity plumbed straight in wasn't all on meters um but they were great days they were brilliant days you used to go out weirdly you used to go out at like stupid ages at like, i don't know six seven eight years old and you'd be out playing until it got dark or until you got hungry and then you go home. Um, so dad was off doing his lorry driving. Mum was a housewife. And then they got to the point where they wanted to buy the council house. So they, they needed to obviously earn more money. And mum went off to work. Um, she tried a few different things. And off the top of my head, I think she was a home help, um, like a carer type person. And then she fell into um, a job with BAA. And BAA, if nobody is sure or aware of who they are, they were British Airport Authority and they used to run all the airports. I think they've all been sold off in privatisation deals and things like that now, but... BAA were the people that used to run all the airports. So mum's job was classed as a security. So those people that you used to see go through the, um, what they call a diver, which is the metal detector door and the x-ray machines. Mum, mum was one of those. So she may well have frisked one of you years ago. You never know. Um, so most of my memory is her being being at the airport at Heathrow airport um back in the day I think they employed a lot of people just because of our surrounding area we were you know our, where we live was noisy but not not unbearably noisy there was always planes going off because we were 
very close to the airport. And at 11 a.m. when Concorde went off, the house shook. So that was uh, that was an experience. So yeah, mum mum worked at the airport for many 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 years, and they did eventually get money and and bought the council house, which was which was great for them. Um, and it also meant dad could start doing things um, and and renovating the house slightly. Um, one thing it did do is that dad was always away back in those days. He was always away driving um, over Europe, wherever it may be, because he was a long-distance lorry driver in his big truck. Um, and mum would be working shifts at the airport. So quite early on in our in our lives, we, we learned to fend for, our, for ourselves. Not saying that they weren't ever there, but you would learn to have to get yourself up in the morning, get yourself dressed and get yourself off to school. Um, especially, more so in, in in the senior schools, not not so much in junior schools. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what age mum started work at but I know she wouldn't have said at five years old you gotta walk yourself to school kids um but as we got older and and had to go to senior school I very much remember that was all on us um and 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 that's not a bad thing that's not me moaning it used to be quite an adventure because I had other mates that used to do it we used to have to go the local school to where we were um this was my mum and dad trying to do sort of the better for us. The local school to our council estate was a, a school that had a... I don't, it didn't have the best of reputations, although I've got lots of mates that went there and they're absolutely fine and never told me there was any bad experiences there. Not, not any more than any other school, I don't think. But my mum and dad just did not want us to go there because of the reputation. So... Um, what would have been a five-minute journey to school turn into an hour and a half journey to school because we then had to go to a school that was a fair way away and we had to get a, a bus or sometimes two buses, sometimes even three buses. You had to play the bus roulette game back in those days because... If you miss the bus in the morning from our normal stop, you would then have to get the next bus, which would be a different bus, and then you'd have to change it and get on another bus. And then sometimes if you miss that one, you'd have to get on a different bus and change onto another bus. Jesus, all these buses. Um, so yeah, that was early days of growing up. Um, we... We did have a lot of holidays, I remember as a kid. Mum and Dad, one thing Mum and Dad always did, to be fair, even after we were growing up and, and moved out of the house and everything, they did love a holiday. Back in the days when we were kids, we used to go on holiday quite a lot. Um, it was sort of um, it was sort of my Mum and Dad's thing. So because they were working hard, because they my dad wasn't always there and he was he was working overseas. Um, 
he would make sure that we always had a family holiday and it'd be probably a two-week holiday somewhere in Spain, uh, one of the Balearic Islands or somewhere like that. Spain, Spanish mainland, you know, Costa del Sol, as you did back in the back in the eighties. Um, so yeah, we we definitely go on yearly holidays. Um, sometimes a couple of holidays, we might go to a, a UK destination as well. Um, so they they did they did look after us from that point of view. That although they weren't always there. We always felt like a family and we always went on nice holidays. We always got really nice birthday presents. We always got really nice Christmas presents. Um, we never really wanted for anything. We weren't spoiled. But we weren't begging for stuff either. We, we, we had probably, I suppose, almost, almost a normal a normal um, childhood and a normal family, a normal sort of two parents, three kid family life um, with just some slight differences with like dad working away. Um, I will go into more detail about growing up, um, how my dad was when we were younger, how he was as we were older how he was towards the end of his life, how I think he would be not only now, but in 10, 15, 20 years time, however long he would have gone on for if what happened didn't happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think on the next episode, I think I will go into more more details about dad and his life and then maybe his end of life um and then we can go on different tangents and and different subjects from there on um but I think as it's mainly about him and myself he's more important than I am so maybe episode three we'll we'll talk about me and how I grew up and how I've moved through my life and where I feel I am now since dad's died um because it's had a it's had a big effect on me it's it's probably had a more effect on me than I've let on to anyone else including my my missus, um, my mum, I don't really talk a lot about it, um, although we do mention dad a lot, he's always in our thoughts, um, you know, we've got pictures of him, as you would, on the wall, um, we celebrate Father's Day and f- remember him, his birthday, um, Christmas, you know, the usual thing that I'm sure everyone else does. We're not, we're no different to anyone else. Um, but it is interesting to see my journey and where I'll be in the next few years and how long 
this grieving process last for because that's what it is it's a grieving process and I'll go into as I'm sure if you've if you've lost somebody and you've never really looked into certain things you've just sort of got on with it and that's it and life's just carried on and whatever else but you but you're listening to this I'm no doctor, I'm no scientist, I'm no academic, but I have read up on certain things and including what's called the seven stages of grief. And if you've never heard of that before, it's amazing. I'll just put it out. Not not the not the 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 grief's amazing because it certainly isn't, but the the seven stages is and where you can pinpoint not only where you are now in that journey but where you've been and it's amazing honestly there were bits on there that I just went holy shit what is that how how did I not know about this before and Anyone that's been in um been in business or worked for companies that have ever been taken over by another company, they use that um in a different model, but it's very very similar. To, uh, it's it is the seven stages of grief, but uh, it's it's in a different format. If if that's if that makes sense, um because the, the stages are very very similar, um. But one of the one of the stages I did not want to experience. I did not want to allow myself to go there. Um and I wanted to do I'm trying to I'm trying to not make it sound like it's nothing because a hundred percent I know it is let me just tell you stage four I haven't got in front of me so forgive me if I'm wrong and I will correct myself next time but stage four is depression so stage four of the seven stages of grief is depression and I did not want to go there and that's why I say I'm making it sound easier said than done because depression isn't necessarily controllable, isn't necessarily avoidable, isn't something you can have a quick fix. But I did everything in my power. Once I realised there were the stages, once I realised where I was on that journey, I did everything in my power to avoid going into depression. Now... Is that doable? Is that me sounding like a person that thinks depression isn't anything? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying depression isn't anything because I know there are millions of people in the world that have depression, suffer depression, and battle with it daily. I just had it in me how I don't know to stop myself getting into depression 
and I did it in several different ways. Um, and I did it in a weird way, which again, I'm not going to discuss now. It may be something that comes onto this podcast in the future. Um, if somebody really wants to know what I did, um, then, then let me know and I'll definitely bring it up. It's not a secret. It's just not appropriate at the moment. Um, but I worked hard. I worked really hard in my own head, in my own activity levels, in my own thought processes, thought processes, um, in my own fitness and, and well-being. I, I did everything I could to not get depression. Um, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought if I if I did if I did everything that I could to not get depression, then I'd be a better person for me, for my family, and for my and for my work life as well. Because I have people that rely on me. I have people that report to me. I have people that look up. I hope they look up to me. Um, but I'm at a point in my career where I couldn't let depression take over. Now, let me add into that. I apologise if there are people out there that think I'm trivialising it. I really am not trivialising it. And I apologise if it isn't controllable. It isn't doable what I've done in the medical sense. And I'm not trying to say I'm some sort of miracle or genius. I just know that I haven't been depressed. I know that I worked hard to control that side of grief. And so far, I've I've avoided it. Um, and I apologise to anyone out there that that hasn't managed to do that or wasn't aware that that was stage four and that they'd been through that stage and didn't know that they were there and didn't have the, um, what's the word? Didn't have the pre-warning, the pre, pre-thoughts in a head that, right, okay, this is what I'm feeling, I know what this is, or I know this is a sign for this, or this is what I feel is coming because I've read it, or I've heard about it. Um, so I'm sorry to you if that's happened. All I can tell you is that it didn't happen to me. And if this pod podcast, if what I've said and what I've done um, in the past helps you in any, any, in any way whatsoever, then brilliant. That's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to try and help me repair myself. And I'm here to help anyone else that might need to repair or fix themselves as well. It's, it's a tough journey. It's a, long journey it's a 
sometimes dark and twisted road that you go down. But you have to carry on, if that makes sense. You have to you have to get on with it. One thing I always say to myself is you only you're only gonna get one shot, aren't you, at life? There's not it's not a video game. You don't get a reset button, you don't get another life or three lives and, and get to have another go if you if you cock this one up. So I'm trying everything I can to fulfil my life. I'm trying to do everything I can to come to the end of my life, whenever that may be, and I'm hoping it's a long time away, um, look back and go, do you know what? You did everything you could to fulfil your life, to have a have a life that you can say, say, I gave that a go. I did this. I tried that. I helped this person. I love this per- this person. I brought up my kids in a way that they're proud of and I'm proud of and my parents would be proud of. You, you want to look back, or, or me personally, I don't want to look back in, let's say I get to 80 years old, I don't want to look back at 80 years old and go, what, what, what a waste of time. What, what a waste of time. Regret everything I did or didn't do and know that I can't turn the clock back. None of us can. None of us can, can we? We know that. So why not try and maximise every single minute, second, hour, day, month, year you've got on this planet? You're a very, very long time gone. You're a very, very long time forgotten. So, if that's how you want to live your life, crack on. If you're happy to just be a plodder, if you're happy to just not have nothing as in material, I'm not. I'm not on about to have millions in the bank because, have a guess what? You ain't taking those millions with you either. So. They don't mean Jack. What I mean is is to have lived a, a full and fulfilled life. I'm just going to end episode one on this. When I say a full and fulfilled life, my dear Nan, my only real grandparent out of the four that um have walked this planet um so just briefly my dad's mum died when she was i believe 43 years old so younger than what i am now so i never got to meet her she actually she died two months after i think i think it was two months after my mum and dad got married what a sad sad thing that was for my dad to go through because he was a lot younger than I was when I lost my dad. A lot younger. He was in his 20s. So that must have been heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. And gutting that I never got to meet her myself. But again, it goes back to one of those... You, you know that I, I don't have massive feelings there because I don't know her. I know she's my dad's mum and I love and respect her for that. 
but I don't know her, so it doesn't, I've never met her in my life, she was, she was long time dead before I was, I was born, so it's very difficult for me to have massive feelings for her, apart from the obvious ones, then I've got my granddad, who was my dad's dad, he was in my life, like I said earlier on in the podcast, to, um, not that, I, I, I don't know if I was a teenager, and we just lost all contact, and I don't know if behind the scenes, because as a kid you don't find out these things, but I don't know if behind the scenes he and my dad fell out, but we lost all contact. No birthday cards, no Christmas cards, no phone calls, no visits from either side, so we, we were probably just as to blame as, as much as he was. Um, yeah, very, very sad. I, I do have some feelings from that point of view. He was, like I said to you earlier on, it was um, a long period of time, the last time I'd seen him, so my, my my thoughts were sad, but not amazingly emotional, unfortunately. Then we move on to my mum's side, and you've got my granddad. He's still around. He's in his 90s, very distant as well. Him and my nan split up many 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 years ago maybe again before I was born um he went off and started another life funny enough and had another kid um and my nan had another kid so between my nan and my granddad they've got eight plus they've both had extra kids each as well so all in all between them there's 10 um but f- from the side of my mum um there's there's nine there's nine kids um, and my nan. Um, so my mum still speaks to him more more so now than she ever done because he went off and, like I say, had his own life and never had anything to do with any of us. Maybe that was his doing or my nan's doing, I don't know. But yeah, we never really had much to do with him, but he is still around. Um, and then my dear old nan, 93 years old, and she left us a couple of months ago. Um, that that one, I th- do you know what? She was amazing, an amazing woman. It was weird because it didn't kick the absolute shit out of me like my dad did, and I think mainly because she was ninety three years old. She had a bloody good life. She lived a really active, busy life. She lived on her own. She was driving up until only a few years ago. She lived life to the full. She, in her last few years, I think age started catching up with her and she wasn't her normal self. But, and I think COVID didn't help that. You know, I've, I can't believe I've gone this long in a podcast and not mentioned COVID. But yeah, COVID, and, and let me just tell you now, COVID wasn't what my, what my dad died of, so you're aware. Um even though he did die close to COVID coming in, but it wasn't COVID. Um, so yeah, it upset me, and I'm gutted. I'm still gutted. Um, funny enough, I'm, there's a picture right in front of me now of my my mum and my nan um, holding one of my boys, and I look at her, and, and when I'm talking about her, 
she was brilliant she was amazing to have had nine kids and let me tell you one quick story i know i'm going on and on and on but maybe that's what these podcasts are all about you can get your thoughts out 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 there can't you um my nan and my granddad at the time they had four kids um and bearing in mind this was back in the 50s 1950s they had four kids and they decided they'd had enough of England so they decided they were going to emigrate and I don't know I actually don't know why mate I don't know if I've ever asked asked the question why it's just been one of those things and it is what it is but they decided on Canada so there they were all this all their belongings in a couple of suitcases four kids my aunties and uncles in tow and they go off to live in Canada um while they're in Canada they get busy again don't they and they have another two kids one of those was my mum so my mum and you wouldn't notice if you spoke to her is actually Canadian she was born there spent a little while of her life there not long a little bit of her life there um but you'd never you would never know unless you saw her passport that she's Canadian she's got no accent whatsoever she was she was a baby when they came back um and I don't know why they didn't like it homesick family sick whatever it may be but they spent enough time out there to have more two more kids so so they went out with four kids they came back with six and then carried on when they got home as well so yeah my nan lived life to the full she wasn't a massive drinker she would have a drink massive smoker massive smoker like couldn't go a day without a good few fags or cigarettes depending on what part of the world you're you're listening to this from she would smoke like a trooper and I'm a non-smoker but her flat used to stink of cigarettes but weirdly she lived to 93 even though she smoked like a chimney very weird it's just just shows you that whether it's destiny or whether it's fate or whatever it may be not everyone and I'm not I'm not advocating smoking at all I, I, it's disgusting hate it um me my missus don't smoke um i i think it just shows you that some people are battle hardened aren't they battle ready can can deal with smoking 10 20 fags a day and still live to a ripe old age of 93 so fair play to her so i think i'll dedicate this first episode not only to my dad but to my nan um and i hope you enjoyed it i hope i haven't droned on too long i hope i've given you a a a taster of what's to come and we can try and make it as interesting as possible and as informative as possible and hopefully there's somebody out that this resonates with 
and you know what I've been through, know what I'm going through, um, or you don't and you now just recognise what you're going through. And I would try and talk a lot more into the mindset, the grief stages, the quiet times where you go. So hopefully see you back next week when we'll do episode two where I'll talk more about my dad um, leading up to my early memories and to my last memories um, when he sadly died. But thanks for listening. This has been the very first episode of my dad used to drive a big truck and thanks again. Bye-bye.